1: A disability can become inability ability when dedicated to God.
0: Pastor Greg Laurie points out that when you say you can't, God says you can. And with His help, you will.
1: So I don't know what you're facing right now. You're facing a hardship, a tragedy. You can't control what's going to happen in your life. All you get to do is decide how you're going to react to what comes your way and world changers turn seeming setbacks into stepping stones this
0: is the day That's the name of our current series here on A New Beginning. Pastor Greg Laurie is pointing out those in the Bible who let God use them to do remarkable things. Now they may not have been unusually smart or skillful or sophisticated, but they made themselves available and they showed great perseverance. God used them in remarkable ways. We're learning how we can make ourselves available for that kind of world-changing service to God too. Now we've considered Abraham, today we consider his wife,
1: Sarah. Sarah. Okay, let me begin with a question. How many of you exercise? You work out in some way, shape, or form. Raise your hand up, okay. How many of you like to exercise? You actually enjoy it. You, you love a good workout. Okay, I don't understand you people at all. You know, I thought about going to the gym the other day, but I, I had a donut and I got over it. So that was, um, but you know, I've tried lifting weights. The problem is they're heavy. No, but seriously. You know it's a good thing to go to the gym but if you don't do anything when you're there it's not all that helpful. I mean if you go to the gym (laughs) and sit around you know on the exercise ball, use it as a pillow that's not gonna help you much. You need to go and work out. You need to do cardio. You need to do weights or whatever it is to get stronger because as they say no pain, no gain. And I think that can be true in our spiritual life as well. We have to go through times of testing to build us up spiritually. And that's what I want to talk about in this message, uh, The Test of a World Changer. And that brings me right away to point number one. Testings and trials are God's gym where we are broken down to be built up. Again, testings and trials, they're like God's gym where we are to be broken down so we can be built up. Let me explain. To build muscle, you must break down muscle. The same is true of faith. Faith is not given to us as a trophy to put in a display case. It's not given to us as something we just stand back and admire. Faith is given to us to use, to put into action. And if you want your faith to get stronger, you will go through times of testing. Let's look at a few verses together here in Hebrews 11 talking about the heroes of faith. Hebrews 11 verse 36 to 39 says this, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. They were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. And others were killed with a sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. We'll stop there. These heroes of the faith really were world changers. Their faith grew stronger through experience. Now, let me take a uh, quick poll. How many of you want to be a world changer? Raise up your hand. Okay, now listen. When you say you want to be a world changer you are in effect also praying Lord send me trials. So some of you are saying can I retract that last statement. <laughs> no but listen trials are part of the Christian life. If you want to be a world changer you are going to be tested. James 1 says when all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives my brothers. Don't treat them as intruders but treat them as friends. Realize they've come to test your faith and to produce in you a quality of endurance. And let that process go on until that endurance is fully developed and you will become men and women of mature character, men and women of integrity with no weak spots. Well, I want to look for a few moments at Abraham's wife, Sarah, because she too makes it into the very exclusive Hall of Faith. Look at Hebrews 11 verse 11. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep His promise. So a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that are like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. There is no way to count them. We will stop there. Now I have to be honest with you. I find it amazing that Sarah of all people made the hero's hall of faith. Because she didn't seem to have a lot of faith. When God came to Abraham and Sarah and told them they were going to have a child, they balked at it because she was, after all, 65 years old. And Abraham was 75. But uh, Sarah thought, well, I don't know if this is going to happen. So maybe God needs a little bit of help. Thinking she would be unable to conceive a child, she said to Abraham, why don't you go and marry my made Hagar and have a child with her. Abraham reacted a little too quickly and went, I'm all in. <laughs> and next thing you know, sure enough, Hagar is conceived and a child is born and the boy is named Ishmael. And, and Abraham doted on the boy. And immediately Sarah becomes jealous and she's angry at Hagar and she's angry at her husband. Which brings me to point number two. When unbelief tries to solve a problem, it creates a bigger problem. Again, when unbelief tries to solve a problem, it creates a bigger problem. Listen, God wants to do His will in His way and His timing. God does not want us to do His will in our own way. God does not need our manipulation. God does not need us to bring His will about. He will do it in His way and in His time. And sometimes we rush out ahead of the Lord, thinking He needs a little help. Now let me say a few words to you who are single. How many of you are single? You're not married. Raise up your hand. Raise up your hand. OK, look around. just look around. <laughs> okay. Don't look too long, though. Then it gets weird. OK, so you're single. And you're wondering, where is that person that God has for me? Where's that guy? Where is that girl? Maybe you are a young girl and you are saying, Lord, I am ready to get married. I have waited for so long. Where is that man? I am already 19. What is going on? (laughs) So you get impatient. And you say, I don't really like the guys in church. You know, they are not as cool as the guys out there that aren't in church. And maybe I will date some of these non-believing guys and I will lead them to the Lord. Yeah, maybe you will. And maybe it won't work out that way. And this is why the Bible warns, don't be unequally yoked together with nonbelievers for what fellowship does light have with darkness or righteousness with unrighteousness? For any story you could tell me of a Christian girl who married a nonbelieving guy and brought him to Christ, I could tell you a hundred stories of Christian girls that got involved with nonbelieving guys and it drug them down spiritually, you see. So God doesn't need us to do His will in our own way. You wait upon the Lord for that right guy or that right girl. And again, I can't think of a better place to find them than right here in church. But something may happen financially where you have a financial crisis of some kind. So now you're gonna go out and help God and you're gonna go out and run up your credit cards. And hey, have you just stopped and prayed about it and say, Lord, I need your help? Well, 10 years pass, and Sarah's plan B backfired horribly. So the Lord comes back again and says to Sarah, you're gonna be a mother. You're going to bear a child. Now she's 89 years old, almost 90. And Abraham is 99 years old, almost 100. And when the Lord says to her, you're gonna have a son, here's what the Bible says in Genesis 18, she began to laugh. And the Lord said to her, is anything too hard for the Lord? And then the Lord said, why did you laugh? And she said, I didn't laugh. And the Lord says, yes you did. (laughs) You can almost understand Sarah's reaction. But here's what amazes me. As I look at her story in the New Testament, and specifically here in Hebrews 11, not one of her mistakes is mentioned. Not one of her lapses is mentioned. And that's because Hebrews 11 is a record of faith, not unbelief. It lists the victories, not the defeats. See, God says "Their sins and iniquities. Well, I remember no more. And I love this. Because when you become a Christian, you're a new person in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything becomes fresh and new.
0: To a new beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, the senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA. He's talking about the tests of a world changer. Let's continue.
1: So now we shift gears from this interesting narrative about Sarah and we come to the story of when God comes to Abraham and asks him to offer his son Isaac. Look at Hebrews 11, starting in verse 17. By faith, Abraham when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac shall your seed be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. We'll stop there. Now let's shift for a moment over to Genesis 22. I had you turn there as well. And let's read what actually happened in the Genesis account of when Abraham offered up Isaac. (laughs) Genesis 22 verse one. God tested Abraham's faith and obedience and said, Abraham, Abraham replied, yes Lord, here I am. God says, take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah and sacrifice them. There is a burnt offerings on one of the mountains, which I will point out to you." Wow. Again, if you wanna be a world changer and live by faith, know that your faith is going to be tested. But this was an epic test. Uh, this is a test that very few people would face. In fact, in many ways, you would have to say, to be tested on this level was quite an honor. Because the Lord knew Abraham could handle it. And guess what? God knows what you can handle. God knows what you can handle. So you're going through a test right now and you're saying, I can't handle this. Yes, you can. Otherwise, God would not allow you to go through it. And whenever the Lord allows his children to go through fiery trials, he always keeps an eye on them and a finger on the thermostat. He won't let it get too hot for you. But he knew that Abraham would rally. He knew Abraham would pass this test. He knew that Abraham would take this setback and turn it into an opportunity. And listen to this. A disability can become an ability when dedicated to God. So I don't know what you are facing right now. You are facing a hardship, a tragedy, the death of a loved one. Maybe you have had to go through life with some kind of a disability. And you say, well, Greg, it's really easy for you to say a disability can be turned into an ability. You don't have a disability. Well, that's true. But I know someone who does, my friend Johnny Erickson Tata. You see, Johnny Erickson Tata has spent 49 years in a wheelchair due to a diving accident when she was a young girl. She's a quadriplegic. But she said, I'm going to take this horrible tragedy. And I'm going to use it to show people that God can help them in the worst moments of their lives. And she's traveled around the world and inspired countless people. And then there's my friend uh, Nick vojacich You've met him before. Born without limbs. Uh, and he's been such an inspiration to so many people. So look, here's the bottom line. You can't control what's going to happen in your life. All you get to do is decide how you're going to react to what comes your way. And world changers turn seeming setbacks into stepping stones. So coming back to Abraham. God asked him to make the greatest sacrifice imaginable. Because you see finally his son was born. Sarah actually did bring forth that child in her old age. And he became the light of Abraham's life. Abraham Doted on that boy. In fact, the very name that they gave him says it all. The name was Isaac, which means laughter. They love that young boy. So now Abraham is going to be tested again, and he's going to go through one of the most difficult tests that he has ever faced. And that is, what is he going to do when God asks him to offer his son? Now, by the way, this was one of many tests that came the way of Abraham. Number one, there was the family test when he was called to leave his land and go to a new land. We might give him a passing grade on that, A C. He did obey, but not completely. He brought along his nephew Lot, which became a problem later in life. Number two, there was the famine test. A famine came into the land, and how would Abraham react to that? Well, he went down to Egypt, as you know, lied about his wife, got rebuked by the Pharaoh. That didn't go very well, so we might say he sort of failed that test. Then there was a fellowship test where he gave Lot, his nephew, first choice over the land. He knew he had to part company with his nephew. So he said, I'll tell you what, Lot. You go to the right, I'll go to the left. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. You choose the land that you want. He put the needs of others above himself. And by the way, he passed that with flying colors. Then there was a fatherhood test when Sarah got impatient with God. And of course, we already saw what happened there with the birth of Ishmael, So that became a problem. But now we come to the ultimate test. And God says, I want you to bring your son, your only son. Let me suggest something. And I can't say this with certainty. But I think it may be true. Could it be that Isaac had actually become the most important thing in Abraham's life? Let me put it another way. Could it be that Isaac that son that Abraham and Sarah had waited for for so long actually became the idol of his life? Did you know that a lot of things can become idols in our life? Not just bad things, but sometimes even good things that are out of their proper place. For instance, people will say, for me, family is number one. It's all about family. Nothing is more important than family. Actually, that is not true. God should be number one in your life, not family. For other people, their body can become their idol. Everything's about their body. Everything's about their appearance. For other people, an object can become an idol and take the place of God. It can be a car, it can be a career, it can be a house, it can be a cell phone. So maybe God would come to you and say, take your cell phone, your only cell phone that you love. And offer it to me.
0: Pastor Greg Laurie with some insight today on the faith of Abraham and the example set for us by his wife, Sarah. And next time in the World Changes series, we'll have more on Abraham's faithfulness, even to the point of being willing to sacrifice his only son. That's on Monday. But as Pastor Greg paused in his message a moment ago, he was speaking about those things that can become too important to us, sometimes even more important than the Lord. And he joked that maybe the Lord would want some of us to sacrifice our mobile phones. Well, here's a closing comment.
1: Someone actually wrote an article uh, and asked the question, what if you treated your Bible like your cell phone? Uh, They asked, what if you carried a Bible around in your purse or pocket? What if you grabbed, when you were running out the door, you grabbed your Bible like you grabbed your cell phone? I mean, if you ever left your house and you're driving down the street and you realize you left your cell phone? It's like horrifying, right? It's like you turn around, you go back. You must have your cell phone. They ask the question, uh, what if you looked at the Bible the same way you look at your cell phone? Think of how often people check social media. You know you stand in line now for coffee or whatever and everyone's looking at their phone, just staring at their phone. No one talks to each other anymore. I've seen people go on crosswalks across four lanes of traffic. Granted, the sign says walk, but they're looking at their phone the whole time. It's like, really? What if someone runs a light? Because they're looking at their cell phone too. I mean, we're so locked into that. What if we treated our Bible the same way?
0: If you'd like a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, it is available on CD from Vision Christian Store. Search The Test of a World Changer at visionstore.org.au or call one 800 0 Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.